when you have the Holy Spirit in you and you are working one with God, when you are when you are listening and you are reacting and you don't have God like right next to you, you have God within you. Hello, this is the Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt. Joining me today are your friends and mine, Amy. Good morning. And Tracy. Good morning. And Karen is playing hooky today. She gave me some lame excuse like she's on a ranch in Texas with no internet. So we can we can all we can all make hey, we get we can do all the Karen jokes we want to today. <laughs> she wants it. <laughs> she loves it so much when I make the Karen jokes. You can you can hear it in the in the silence and the way that she says nothing to me when I when I make fun of when I make fun of her for being Karen. Loves it, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Huh. Have you guys heard about this revival thing going on in um, Kentucky? I heard about it yesterday. Um, somebody at church was explaining about it, and I guess it's really fantastic. Like, yeah, these young it's, people are getting into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. it's I, I kind of wish Karen was here because maybe she's heard a little bit more about it. Being from Kentucky, I don't know. I haven't. Right bothered to see where it is on the map in in comparison to her but um but it is sort of a fascinating thing to see this thing take off like it has um and then you know there's a cynic in me though that kind of wants to say that okay this is this is awesome and and i think it's great to see these young people well and people from all over the world are coming to this thing to be a Mm -hmm. part of it um but the cynic in me goes, okay, but what's next? What comes, what comes after this? Because, you know, at some point the, it'll, it'll wane, it'll fade and, end. maybe, I mean, who knows, maybe I'm wrong, but, but it's like, what comes after this? Because, you know, in real Christianity isn't found just among other Christians who are, who are, you know, reinforcing you and and lifting you up. That's where we definitely find renewal and rejuvenation. But eventually, we got to get out on the streets with other people and have re- have the real life. You know, I don't know. The guy that was telling me about it at church yesterday said something really important. He said that the pastor of the revival, the the man who's kind of been leading it, he has been telling people, please don't come to us. Um, because real Christianity isn't just here. It's your relationship with God and the Holy Spirit is available to anyone who will spend time praying and who will reach out to God um, mm-hmm. and God will you know, send his spirit to be with you. And I was like, oh, right on. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's good to hear then because, um, yeah, I mean, they've got a live stream going for this thing now and, and mm-hmm. uh, you could, you could, uh, you know, it'll be a few weeks before our listeners hear us talking about it here. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how how it how it plays out. It's cool that it, I guess it's spreading to some other schools too. Um, so I mean, on one hand, it's great. I'm sure that some young people and well, who knows? Maybe not just young people if they're coming from all over the place, but some people maybe are discovering Jesus for the first time and getting invigorated and re rejuvenated. Um, yeah. And hey, I think that's crazy. the way we have to look at it, is mm-hmm. that, you know what, at least it's getting that fire going, whether it's yeah. starting a new fire or if it's rekindling an old fire, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe they take this with them. Maybe they take this back to their neighborhood. Maybe yep. this motivates them to go, you know, find their own um, Bible-based church um, wherever they live. 
um, yeah. and and get a renewing of the spirit going wherever they they're coming from. Yeah, you know, maybe this is just the you know the starting point. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's that, awesome. And that's the hope. You know, we'll talk eventually about Jesus's parable about uh, casting the seeds. You know, and some of them fell on good soil, and some of them fell on bad soil. But you cast the seeds wherever and. And uh, so, you know, hopefully some of this is seeds being cast into good soil. And like you say, Trace, it'll grow and it'll 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 uh, take good root and 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 go from there. So so it is exciting and I'm I'm happy to see it. It's uh, it's certainly a it's a nice breath of fresh air in in the face of some of the really ridiculous things that we've been seeing in the news and things lately. So. So yeah. it, it it's awesome to see some positivity, especially some positivity towards towards uh, uh you know some some faith. So yep. yeah, you know so, just a little a little light, a little light in a dark world. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So awesome, very cool. All right, well, let's get into our discussion for this week. We are continuing this week in the book of Matthew uh, and chapter twelve. We had gotten about halfway through chapter 12 last week, and we were, we've been talking a lot lately about how Jesus has been challenging norms about a lot of the man-made rules placed on the God-made laws. Specifically, we've seen some stuff about um, the way Jesus has been handling uh, Sabbath, but not just Sabbath, but specifically the way that the, the Pharisees were expecting the people to handle Sabbath to the point of being burdensome and where Jesus was very much just pointing out, look, it we're, we can, we need to do good things. We need to not make this a burden. We need to, this, it should be enjoyable. And, um, to even to the point where they were angry at him for healing people on Sabbath, which is sort of just a bizarre, um, <laughs> just a bizarre thing to consider that, that uh, you wouldn't want to make somebody feel better because it's God's holy day. That's just that just that's a strange dichotomy of thought there that uh, Jesus was having to combat. And we ended off with a prophecy that Matthew was um, that Matthew was quoting from uh, the Old Testament about basically how he Jesus was here to turn things on their ear. But to do it without fighting, he wasn't going to fight about it. He was just going to live life the way that God intended it to be lived. And if people were going to come at him um, with controversy, he wasn't going to try to address the controversy. He was just going to live the life that God intended for him. And so um, so that's what, that's what we've seen in the life of Jesus so far. Well, I know I wasn't part of the discussion last week, um, but right towards the end, I just really love that verse in um, 12, verse 20, a bruised reed shall he not break and a mm-hmm. smoking flax shall he not quench. Because I, my experience with God has been that, you know, I'm super faulty and I don't know everything and, and I kind of come, you know, like my people are sort of feral, like they're not part of some well-established and well-educated group, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but along comes Jesus into our lives and he has gently led us towards his kingdom. And that's what I take from that. You know, when he's, when Jesus is here and he's dealing with all these broken people, he might be 
harsh with the Pharisees and those who have a lot of knowledge and those who should have known God better. But with the broken people on the streets, he's very gentle. And Mm -hmm. I, I, I find that character so appealing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that's where we're going last week, too, is when he was healing people and telling them, you know what, you don't need to go and tell anybody. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's what it did. It's like, you know, because he knew that along with that, there would come the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the controversy and the mm-hmm. conflict there. And he was like, you know what, like we were saying last week, it's like, I have a bigger mission. I have something I need to accomplish, and I can't accomplish it by arguing arguing the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, we we have such a, I don't know what it is, but we want so badly for to be right, I guess. Uh, and so we, we're ready to jump whenever somebody wants to disagree, you know. And mm-hmm. I mean, I guess sometimes, sometimes there's a way, you know, there's there can be correction if you can point out actual facts. But more often than not, when we're just talking concepts and ideas, um, there's really no point in the fight. There's really no point in the argument. If we just live, and I think that's really what it's about, is just just living it, live the truth. And it's either going to be like, well, we'll talk later about think maybe about things being f- uh, fruitful, but um, the proof will be in in the results, you know. And so the fight is... The fight is just ultimately kind of silly because it never amounts to anything of any real substance or value. But so as we continue, then um, we start. We get a story of another person being brought to Jesus. In this case, specifically, someone who was, uh, we're told again, demon possessed. We've seen Jesus deal with some demon possession in in the past, um, but this man was brought to Jesus. Says he was blind and mute, and. He, and Jesus heals him. And people see this happen. And uh, the text tells us that people were starting to wonder, you know, is this the son of David? People are really starting to wonder or notice Jesus and start to think, is this the Messiah? Is this the person that we've been waiting for for so long? And the Pharisees just cannot stand it. It's so it really is amazing to me the way the people who I guess maybe were studying the hardest, who were trying the hardest to maintain the status quo. Maybe that's the problem. They were trying to maintain a stat, maintain a status quo. But the ones who should yeah. have known better are the ones who fought the most against Jesus. What were you going to say? I think you're on to something, Matt, because it's. Yes, they're studying, but they love their position more than they love the possibility of the coming of the Messiah. Yeah, but so it really, really ruffles their feathers that people are starting to see Jesus as possibly the Messiah. And interestingly, when we never really see Jesus just publicly declare himself as Messiah. We've seen him talk to individuals about it, but it's not like he's standing up on a box somewhere, you know, and saying, here I am, I'm the Messiah. You've been waiting for me for, for, uh, 4,000 years. And I'm finally here. He's just, he's just living a life of being helpful, being loving, healing people, trying to do good things. And, and it just, it just rankles the, the establishment so bad that they just, 
they cannot they cannot stand it to the point here where they even are now accusing Jesus as they put it they say he casts out demons by uh, Beelzebub which is essentially another name for Satan uh, it's just it's just baffling to see them watch this man do good things and and accuse him of working with the devil now it's not to say you know I think we've maybe even said here before that well I think when we were talking about um the pool of Bethesda and we were talking about how we know that we know that Satan is able to put ailments on people and so he's also able to take them off of people but we're talking here about actually casting out demons and this this idea that he's doing it in league with the devil to cast out the demons and Jesus is <laughs> maybe he's just as dumbfounded by the by the by the accusation as I am because uh, he says a phrase that we've I don't know I think it's a pretty pretty uh, pretty popular phrase or a pretty famous phrase where he says a house divided against itself cannot stand so how can it be that I am working with the devil to cast out the devil it doesn't make any sense at all and even to the point of you know what if what what if your people cast out devils? Who are they working with? And it's basically answered with science, uh, a silence. But you know the idea of a house divided against itself cannot stand. I mean, how often do we see that? Even just in our everyday life, uh, you know, in business, um, friendships, politics. Well, here's where I drop the today's bomb. But I think we see that a lot at at church. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and I think, too, especially, you know, after the pandemic, when, you know, you could go, you could stay. We saw it in a, you know, in a big way. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think we we see that in the in the places we most we anticipate not seeing it or not wanting to see it is where we see it the most. Yeah, the places where it should be the least is seems to be where it shows up the most. You know, it, it's it, you know, it's when opinions get in the way of facts. I think mm -hmm. um, because the fact or self know, self absolutely yeah uh, self and opinions get in the way of of facts and truth um, because when we start we start thinking about what I think. You know, we can talk about what I think is right, and we can talk about what I think uh, should happen. But just like we were talking about with Jesus before, it's like the fight. The fight is is so counterproductive, and it just it it brings nothing but but destruction. So yeah, we see it we see it in the in the church when somebody just they their opinion just must be the, the the paramount instead of finding a common ground we see it in politics especially i mean it's easy to see it in politics especially mm -hmm. in a in this in a two-party society most primarily two-party society but but you swear you know you see that division just get more and more and people pull further to the left and further to the right and everything in the middle just gets strained and it it <sighs> It amounts to nothing ever really happening, nothing of any substance ever really being done. And uh, it's it's just no good. And that's exactly what Jesus is trying to convey here. You know, I think the substance of the things that we're seeing being done, like you're saying, it's like 
nothing of substance happens. I think the substance part is the division and the loss of friendship mm-hmm. and the loss of a strong foundation, exactly mm-hmm. what the enemy wants. Mm-hmm. That's the substance that happens. It's not, you know, there's nothing positive that comes out of it unless it's recognized and and rectified then. And there's healing and restoration that comes about from it. But usually it's it's the tearing apart that's the substance. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I was just going to say that I feel like, you know, politics definitely had the potential to rip our church apart. And and to some degree, I suppose it influenced some things that happened. But um, but I feel like, you know, those who are just saying, well, I'm here to worship Jesus, they're going to set aside all of that. And they're going to remember, okay, he kept saying, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. And so you have to look at your fellow Christians, regardless of anything that they believe politically, and just look at them as your fellow believers, um, someone that you're traveling this road with, um, someone who is there to worship Jesus with you. And, and that's it. Like you have to keep your eyes focused on the fact that this world will pass away and everything that looks real is a deception in this world outside of outside of Christ, mm-hmm. and I I think that's kind of where our church finally settled down about all that. Is yeah, I know the rest of this is actually just a deception. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that we found a lot of peace that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it's still it's still a process. You know, I we're not I don't mm-hmm. think we're out of the woods, and I, I you know we talk about our church and we're talking about our specific congregation and i suspect that this is probably the case in most congregations if not all congregations because Mm -hmm. we're human beings and we have concepts and ideas and we're quick Mm -hmm. to get our feathers ruffled and somebody disagrees Mm -hmm. with us on something um uh but um but if we can just focus on the gospel focus on jesus and what jesus was teaching us uh we should we should be fine if we get if we can get away from little petty Little little petty things, we'd be so much better. But you know, I mean, Jesus is he's uh, he's pulling no punches with this though, because he he finally he just flat out says, "He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters abroad." He's saying flat out, "If you're not helping me, just get out of my way." Well, one thing I I think we should really focus on right now is the fact that you know, in our modern world and in a lot of the Christian church, these concepts of Satan. And this kingdom of Satan and evil angels and all that is lost. Like most people don't believe it. Most people mm. think, uh-huh. Except, of course, like Amazon Prime. You know, like you can watch all kinds of shows on Amazon Prime right now about evil spirits. And mm-hmm. you're like, huh, creepy. Um, but Satan, you know, Jesus is well aware of the fact that he is in battle with evil. And that, you know, God and Satan are waging this giant war and well, Satan is waging the war and, um, and God is trying to protect his people. And, and so I just think it's very important that we look at that with, uh, with our rational minds and we say, okay, God is revealing to us the fact that we are one of the rational beings caught up in this great war between Christ and Satan. And, um, that, that is part of what Jesus actually taught. Yeah, well, yeah, and we forget too often, I think, that we are in a war, that we're part of the war. We forget that we are warriors, and we need to certainly pick 
pick a side and not not get in the way of the 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 offensive the and by offensive i mean the offense the the mm-hmm. yeah. you know get out of get out of the way that is of of the one who is trying to eliminate the problem don't be part of the problem and that's mm-hmm. yeah. i think that's what jesus is trying to say here is just is if you're not going to help me just just set this step aside well and don't forget the power of prayer um when you're you're um you know, when you're looking at your own life and your problems and you're thinking, oh, this is all based on things that are occurring naturally in the world, because the spiritual is a huge part of what's actually happening. And and so prayer becomes then a rational tool for helping us through our problems. And and that seems strange in this world. You know, like, why is praying helpful? Um, God should already know our problems and blah, blah, blah. But the biblical view is that we are in this great war, Satan is our enemy, and he is attacking us. And so rather than looking at all of our problems as either psychological or physical, etc., there is a spiritual component. And not to diminish those others, but to realize that at our fingertips is access to the Heavenly Father, you know, and, and that he has made a way for us to ask for help. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and really, it's it's maybe one of the few times that Jesus, I don't know, he, he speaks out in a head-on fashion where he's, not that he, not that he ever backs down from his position, not in an argumentative state, but where he's, he's really pushing the idea here that he has a mission, he has a purpose, it is a specific purpose, and he is going to do it but the idea that he is working with satan is just it's just that concept seems like it just is very offensive to him and rightly so um you know and i think sometimes we do that too just to get under a person's skin to see exactly (laughs) what their true character is and i think that's where the pharisees and the sadducees do that Do, do they really down deep think that i doubt it yeah, but I think they're just doing it as a ploy to see if they can get underneath the skin. So verse 27, when he says, um, if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, whom do your children, by whom do your children cast out devils? So that's an interesting passage because um, I did a little bit of reading and there asked people who did exorcisms. And, you know, Jesus is essentially saying, yeah, this is an exorcism. This is that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um and then verse 28 is interesting, but if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. So if we accept the power of God to sort of reclaim territory in this world for the kingdom of God, things change. Things change in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. And we, um, you know, Jesus reveals an idea of prayer actually setting people free even in our modern time. And I've seen that happen, especially with addiction. You know, prayer is God's tool that he gave us that he says, you can help set people free. Just ask me just through prayer, which means essentially just ask, ask your heavenly father and he will start helping people be set free. I totally, totally agree with that. You know, and I'm just going to throw it out there because I don't think she really mind. And, um, I kind of know where Amy was going, but we have a member in our congregation, Sarah, 
that we have seen a 180 oh yeah through the power of prayer mm-hmm. but where she started and where she is today is just a is a, a testimony of what god can do yeah literally going from addiction to now working with people of who have addictions to help them and uh she's a she is a testament to to uh the power of faith and prayer because and a congregation praying for her when when multiple people lift up their voices in prayer and supplication to the lord to help deliver a person to to see what what transformations have happened Mm -hmm. you know and you still see the enemy you still see the enemy you know trying to to get a hold in there but but then you see uh, uh, Sarah's newfound foundation, yeah, and the way she prays and the way she um, uh, gathers others to pray. It, it's just um, all you can say is after that is God is good. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Amen. With Sarah, we had a visiting pastor oh, probably almost two years ago, and he was asking me like, "Why the attraction to this church? You know, why have you been a member here so long, etc." And I. Uh, we were sitting at potluck when he asked that question and I said, look, you know, this person in front of me, you know, was horribly addicted, et cetera, et cetera. And now what is she doing? Like during that potluck, she's serving people. Like she's cooking, she's helping Mm -hmm. people. She's like a changed person and a person who is serving others. And, you know, and that's, that's actually where we all are, right? Like we're all changed people because of what Jesus did in our lives. And instead of being these broken individuals, we're suddenly able to see those who are around us. And we're like, Hey, do you want a sandwich? You know, like mm. we're very much changed. And and that's why I'm excited about our particular congregation, because we're not about rules and regulations, but we're about the fact that, Hey, Jesus entered my life and this is what he did for me. And we can express that in sort of a, a friendship setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, but so it's just this idea of Jesus working on the side of Satan was just really ridiculous, ridiculous. Uh, be, because, because, you know, we've seen just in the things that we've read uh, just how helpful he's been and how loving he's been and how caring he has been. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, if there, if there is a counter or, or the opposite of the devil, uh, at least in the way the devil acts, man, it's it's shown in Jesus. But don't don't we sometimes do that? Like we were saying, it's just we go where it's so obvious that that's not the point, but we just bring it up up that way to to der- derail or attempt to derail mm-hmm. the movement. Mm-hmm. You know, just by saying something so off the cuff that it just makes a person go, "Wait, what? Really?" You think that? Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's, I think it's also done to be demoralizing and to maybe stop the whole movement where Jesus here goes, no, that's not the case. I have a mission. I need to go forward. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So get out of the way. Exactly. (laughs) Either, either help or get out of the way. Yep. Get on board or move out of the way. Yep. All right, so moving on then in chapter 12, um, the next section, uh, it's, it's, it's very short in the text, but I think it's a very, very important concept for us to consider. And the, the title of the section, at least in my New King James, and I'm not sure how it is in everybody's, but it's the unpardonable sin. 
where Jesus essentially says, you can say whatever you want about me. You can say whatever you want about Jesus. And I'll forgive you or you will be forgiven, I should say. But if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, then that will not be forgiven. You know, there's. There's a, there's a lot of people who worry, I think, that they have committed the unpardonable sin, and maybe it's without reading this text. But they, um, and they fear that God won't forgive them, maybe for something they've done in the past, maybe for a way they've lived in the past. Um, you know, who knows? I mean, any any number of things. I remember talking to a man one time who had served in the military and he had described some awful, awful things that he had done um, overseas or on, on missions and such. And he, he just felt like he was completely unforgivable for the, for what he had done. But Jesus saying here is like, no, 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 all of that, all of that can be forgiven. But the Holy spirit, you cannot blaspheme the Holy spirit. So now let's talk about why that is and what that means. What is blasphemy? How do we define blasphemy? Well, we know in the past that Jesus was accused of blasphemy when he would equate himself to be equal with God. And so mm-hmm. if we know, you know, we think of the Trinity, we think of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit all as part of the Godhead, and so the Holy Spirit is God. So what is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? How would you guys define that? Well, I have one thought to share right now Mm -hmm. that to me is helpful. Um, Yesterday in our class at church, a woman was talking about her 20 years of addiction and how at a particular moment, the Holy Spirit came to her and said, "Um, you are dying and I can help you. Um, but you have to submit to me. And she said that she was in a group at that time, like of other addicts and whatever that were, you know, kind of trying to get out of addiction, et cetera. And she said that she knows over the course of just a couple of years that three of those women died. And she said, you know, I really realized I had a choice and the choice was given to me by you know, this entity. And she said at the time, you know, it was like AA or something. She said they were giving me um, options of how to believe in God, you know, higher power or whatever. She said, but I knew good and well who it was who was coming to me. And, and that individual, that spirit was giving me the option of I'll help you, but you have to submit to me. So you see what I'm, where I'm going Mm -hmm. is just that she was encountering the Holy Spirit. The Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit said, I'm the only one that can help you but you have to submit to me. And she made that choice to submit to him and she, and she was able to get out of her addiction. Um, but some other individuals, unfortunately were not. And, uh, that was, that was dark to listen to, but it was also insightful as far as seeing that the work of the Holy spirit does require our submission. Mm-hmm. That's all. You know, I think I, you know, I, I agree with what Amy's saying too. I think it's just that when the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is, is working on your heart and you go against exactly what, what it's, you know, the Holy Spirit is, is telling you to do, um, or giving you that choice and that option to do it. And you repeatedly just say, no, I don't think it's, 
I don't think it's one thing that you can actually just do one time and then nothing, you know, nothing you can do going forward and you're written off. I think it's that Holy Spirit continuously working with you and you continuously saying no and going mm-hmm. contrary to that. Um, but I do have a, a, a question for, for everyone. He's talking about the Holy Spirit right now, but was mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit given at that time? The Holy well, Spirit wasn't really Jesus was here. Mm-hmm. So he hadn't given that gift yet of the Holy Spirit. The comforter hadn't come yet. Yeah, and that is an interesting thing concept to consider. Because yeah, when he's leaving, and we'll get, you know, when we get to that part and he talks about, you know, it's good that I go because the Holy Spirit will come. But you know, we've seen evidence of the Holy Spirit, even in the Old Testament, even when he's maybe he's not specifically called quote unquote the Holy Spirit, but but we've seen aspects of when the spirit was was working. Now I totally agree. Oh, hang on, I got a wicked cramp. Um I totally <laughs> I totally agree that it seems the spirit was working differently and maybe not to the extent that he worked after Jesus's uh, uh, um, ascension. Um, But see, and and that was my point where I was getting to was the Holy spirit at this point, just something to say, you know what? I'm on this mission. I'm presenting the world with, with um, the new covenant. Um, are you going to accept it or are you going to deny it? And I think mm-hmm. that's where this goes with the deny part and the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is because it's working on your heart. But what are you saying? Yeah. Are you going to follow me or are you going to avoid it? Right. Right. And be lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that blasphemy really is. I mean, we talk about blasphemy and we think. You know, sometimes we think about, you know, saying bad words or blasphemy or, you know, using God's name in God's name in vain is blasphemy. And yeah, that that counts. But blasphemy is really when we're putting ourselves above God. And like you were talking about when I hear what God is saying through the spirit, but I don't care. I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. So it would be really cool to do a deep study into uh, instances of someone encountering the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. I've never done that before, so that would be uh, mm-hmm. unique to me. Um, and then also, um, I just I, somehow I think we have to think about this idea that over and over again <clears throat> in the encounters with the Pharisees, you already touched on this, Matt, but um, people would say he said that he could forgive sins, therefore making himself like God, that is blasphemy. Like mm-hmm. there's a pretty clear definition of what that is. So somehow this idea of the forgiveness of sins and being equal with God, those two things define um, what is God. Mm. Um, and and then, uh, you know, and so anyone who claims those two powers is you know the the new testament also says those whoever claims those two powers has the spirit of antichrist if Mm. they're not um truly god and able to forgive sins um so somehow that has to be part of our understanding of who the holy spirit is and what it means to commit blasphemy against him and Mm. that's all i have to say (laughs) (laughs) well there's a there's a lot there's a lot said there and we could probably go we could probably go a long ways with that but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I am not able to to forgive uh, sins. I mean, I can forgive I can forgive a wrong that you do to me. Yeah. Um, 
is that quote unquote sin? Not in the not in the aspect that obviously that we're talking about here. Uh, you know, we're talking sin against God. And yes, a sin against me can be a sin against God. And I can forgive you for the aspect against me. But there's still that aspect against God that needs to be dealt with. And um, yes, certainly we as human beings don't have that power to do that. We have right. no authority to do that. We can't do that. I mean, how can I possibly? I mean, you know, if 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 Amy does something bad against Tracy, I can't say, oh, Amy, it's OK, you know, because right, right. Tra- Tracy is still the one who's wronged. And so. So, yeah. So that is an aspect of that as well. So, yeah, there's a there's a there's there's several things here that uh, that to be considered. And uh, yeah, it's just a. It's an important aspect to to consider um, mm-hmm. of of what this is and why you and, and you know the reason you can't be forgiven for it. That's the part to talk about. And I get mm-hmm. I think Tracy touched on it here. And the reason you can't be because you you can't be forgiven of it is that the spirit is trying to convict us to move away from sin. Yes, we we in the modern era we you know. And I think, again, something Tracy was touching on there. I I feel and maybe I'm totally wrong and someday we'll get in heaven and we'll be able to ask Jesus about it. And he'll say, well, you were close, but, you know, and maybe he'll be like, no, you were way off. But I feel <laughs> like we 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 have a communication with the spirit that is stronger than before Jesus left. That's my that's my feeling. That's my take. Uh, if somebody has something else to say about that, by all means, you know, write in, talk to us, you know, give give your your impression on it. But if we ignore the spirit's conviction to the point where we won't repent from sin, there we cannot be forgiven because we be, because we're not listening to the one who is trying to tell us to repent of that sin we have to be forgiven of. So that's why we can't be forgiven. We can't be forgiven because we won't even ask for it. We don't want it. Yeah, it's like we're cutting off our hearts towards God. Mm. We're saying, Mm. I don't want anything to do with you, and I won't accept what you're trying to give me. But also, it's very interesting how Jesus, when he talks about the fact that, um, you know, if your kid asks for bread, how many of you would actually give him a rock? Mm. Um, Even so, I can't remember where the passage is, but he says, even so... Will I give you the Holy Spirit if you ask? Like he's saying, the best thing I can give you is the presence of the Holy Spirit. The gift I want to give you is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we so often, you know, we do focus on Jesus. We can see him. We can see him through all the stories of of the encounters with the people that he, you know, actually touched and talked to, et cetera. And then we, like the whole world is sort of mentally aware of God but when it comes to this idea of the Holy Spirit, people often discount that. Um, and so he is saying, Jesus is saying, no, if you could have the Holy Spirit, wow, like mm-hmm. it would be so cool. Mm-hmm. And so so we have to look at what Jesus actually says. He says, the best thing I could give you is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's fascinating when you consider we, I mean, literally they had they had God with them. Granted, it was God in the form of Jesus taking on the form of a man who mm-hmm. was acting just as subservient to God as we should. Mm-hmm. But Jesus is saying, this is going to be better than me being right here with you. Wow. 
and you know, yeah. this is this is something I've been right, kind of. It's been slowly dawning in my brain, and I've been trying to figure out how to how to articulate it. But we tend to think of Jesus as the culmination of our experience with God. And by all means, Jesus being here showed us this is how we're supposed to live. This is how we're supposed to act. We have Jesus who we know will be. He is the one who is able to forgive. But yet Jesus is like, but yet there's a step closer to God, which is when you have the Holy Spirit in you and you are working one with God, when you are when you are listening and you are reacting and you don't have God like right next to you, you have God within you. I don't know. It's just like, it's like there's this better thing. Like Jesus said, it's, it's, it's this, it's this step closer to God. And I, I'm fumbling all over my words because I still haven't figured out how I want to say it yet. But that relationship with God is better than the relationship that the, the apostles had with Jesus. And that's fascinating to me. Go ahead, Amy. Yeah, that is fascinating. I used to be afraid of it. I'll tell you the truth. Like I remember thinking, but I want to be me. I don't want to mm. have something else like inhabit me. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was kind of a weird thought to me when I was young, but I, I know I'm always quoting C.S. Lewis, but here's the deal. Like he wrote something, I believe it was in the abolition of man. And he talks about the fact that when you are in Christ, you become your real self. Mm. And until mm. you until you are, until you know yourself as God's child, you are not actually who you were meant to be. And that to me, let me go. Like that set me free to understand that um, who and what I really am is when I'm abiding, abiding in Christ. When mm -hmm. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I become the real me. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was that was something as a young person that I actually struggled with, like the fear of changing into someone else. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it is, a, it, it, it's something we have to combat in ourselves because, you know, Tracy talks about self a lot and how we let self get in the way. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, if we're not, if we're not going to become, who we were supposed to be we're just incomplete we're just mm -hmm. we're just a we're just a piece and so it is interesting to consider that uh, if you want to say it this way we're supposed to have a piece of god in us it's almost you know it's like we have this this compartment that is supposed to be functioning and if we don't fill the compartment with the right piece and there's only one piece that'll fit then we're not us we are we are the a shell of what we could become a shell. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. And uh, so we've got to let the Holy Spirit in. Uh, you've got to listen. You've got to. I mean, this is how I mean, yeah, this is this is what our life is supposed to be. And it's not just imitating Christ. It's working with God. It's working together as a unit being a and please don't take this too far the wrong way but being a piece of god in 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 some aspect i don't know it's just a it's just a, it's a it's one of those things that i i really don't know how to put into words but it's something that i love to meditate on and just consider what is what is the the uh potential 
that's there if we could really just learn to let the spirit do what it's going to do and and we can really be what we're intended to be and boy oh boy i think we saw humanity has sold itself so short by you know ever since the fall we've sold ourselves so short by by trying to do things our own way and not doing not working with the spirit and not working with god i don't know it's just a fascinating fascinating concept of what of what is what could be and i don't even think we can really imagine we can't really imagine hardly what could be if we would if we would live to our potential well and on that uh on that note as we continue on then where you talk jesus talks about he says well he's talking about basically um oh how does he put it good trees and good fruit and bad trees and bad fruit talks about how you know a tree by its fruit so I mean, we can think about that in the in the simplest of terms, I suppose. You know, an apple tree is an apple tree when you see it growing apples. You know, a cherry tree is a cherry tree when you see it growing cherries. Even if you can't tell by looking at the wood and the and the leaves and such, once the fruit shows up on there, you have no question what kind of what kind of tree that is. And then you know if the tree is healthy too by whether the apples look healthy or not. And this is an analogy Jesus is making for humanity and specifically uh in another in another part of the gospels i think it was in um i think it was in luke but he's talking about false prophets people who want to speak about god but their words don't match what maybe what scripture says they don't match with the way that jesus has lived his life Um, they certainly don't match with the way the holy spirit speaks to us so if you are listening to the Holy Spirit and not not rejecting him, we ought to be able to tell when somebody is working on God's behalf, working on God's side. Uh, we ought to be able to tell when something they say maybe is completely nonsensical or just doesn't jive with, with the Gospels or with the intentions of God just by seeing the way that they... The way they live their lives, uh, the way and the way they speak. I think it kind of um, goes back that you're known by your character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another way of putting it. Yeah. yeah, you know, and 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 sometimes that could be hard. I think that's one of those internal struggles too. That you know, it's by accepting that you know that God paid the ultimate sacrifice, and our works can't get us there, but mm-hmm. we still try. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the actions of the heart don't don't match. Yeah. Yes, we are completely saved by his grace. But when he fills us with the spirit, he does change us. Yes. And, and we become different mm. and, you know, less corrupt and dangerous. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it matches up. It matches up. But yeah. I think, too, when you, you get to... Um, 34 um verse 34 um mm-hmm. wrote of vipers how can you how can you being evil speak good things for out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks yes you know that that's just that's just driving it home by you know telling these guys it's like yeah you are not what you appear to be yeah and i'm letting everybody know right now 
Yeah. So that's like graphic the way Jesus puts it brood of vipers. And, you know, like I'm a country person and I don't know if you guys have ever had the experience of you move a piece of wood that's sitting there or something. And there is a brood of Mm. snakes, you know, like it's a, it's a really repulsive thought to think that Jesus is calling these men, uh, you know, a nest of snakes. And when you find something like that, you jump back and you want to escape. Like you want to be away from people who or you don't want to be near those snakes like it's a teeming thing and it's very dangerous Mm -hmm. so it's a really graphic example that jesus is using yeah i mean the closest i've ever been is a a a kid in the neighborhood once had caught a whole bucket full of garter snakes and that was (laughs) you know they're harmless but still there's something about there's something about all those snakes in one place like you say it's it's sort of repulsive there's something about them that you just go yeah i don't yeah i don't (laughs) you know it it was it was hard to want to reach in there and grab one and and mess around with it um right so yeah, even with garter snakes, but yeah, we're, we're talking rattlesnakes or you know other poisonous poisonous snakes um, that you just you don't want to be anywhere near them. And uh, so 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 yeah, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you can tell when somebody, but if if someone is speaking hatefully, they're not speaking for Jesus. You know, right. I'll, I will I'll call out directly. You know, several years ago, we don't hear about them so much anymore. But that Westboro Baptist Church who was so anti-gay to the point of being hateful, you know, mm. to the beyond, beyond speaking against actions, but, but literally telling people that God hated them. Oh, and, my. and, you know, they got a, they got a lot of press. They got a lot of, of uh, notoriety. Um <laughs> And it took a lot of Christians saying, no, those people are not Christians. Those people are not at talking, speaking on God's behalf. Those people are being hateful and evil. What's I that? don't even know about that. Oh, no. Gosh, look. Oh, wow. Google them. I mean, they are, you know, I'll I'll come right out and say, I mean, that's just an evil group of people. It's just, it's evil and it's ugly. And, um, you know, and, and not, that's not said to, to, to. Uh, try to justify anyone's sinful behaviors, but the 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 disgusting extent to which they went, literally literally telling people. I mean, they would show up at funerals and and be protesting gay people. I mean, it was just. Oh my. Oh yeah, I mean, just ugly. Just oh. it, it's just so ugly, unbelievably just downright filthy and gross and. Um, just the only thing you could tell people is like that is not those are not followers of Jesus. Those are absolutely not followers of Jesus. So whenever I've encountered people like that, and I have, um, I think about the fact that they they probably haven't read the Gospels. They probably have not read about the fact that Jesus loved the demoniac. Mm-hmm. Like that guy was bad news. And so anything in my life, anything that I have done, any sin that I have, you know, participated in, et cetera, Jesus still loved me out of that. And, and I can say, no, 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 even this, he is able to love me through that. And so, so that is really important to my understanding is to look at the people that Jesus actually, you know, touched and loved and say his behavior towards them was not condemning ever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. 
Right. Yep. Never and never condoning the sin, but but still loving the person, still yes, trying to gently bring them to the right. You know, because we saw times when when people were caught red-handed doing things, and he'd just say he'd say, "Don't do that anymore," but he would certainly be there protect to protect them from from others who who would just tear them down and destroy them. He just he just never used ugly tactics. Never, ever, ever, never. You just never saw it like that. And uh, right, we we never see him picking up a stone. Right, you know, never, we never see him picking up a rock to hurt someone. <laughs> no, I mean the worst we see is when he's overturning the, the the tables in the in the in the temple. And sure, he goes in there with a whip, and he you know he, he might have caused a little pain, but. It wasn't. It wasn't in an anger. Well, I won't say it wasn't well, in anger, but it wasn't in a hateful fashion. Right, and he was definitely trying to get between people who were saying you have to buy this thing in mm-hmm. order to approach God, mm-hmm. and so he was saying, "Get out of my house." <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and I think too that I don't think you see like violence towards individuals. You know, he was going after the objects and causing commotions and flipping tables and and that kind of thing. And um, but not, you know, directly at at an end, you know, individuals like whipping somebody or hitting somebody or. But, you know, I do say he can drive. He he demonstrated over and over that he could drive his point home by simple words. Right. Right. You know, you know, just like Amy said in 34, the whole brood of vipers that that cuts to the bone mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and and i think some but sometimes you know i think when when people are called out like that it does it wakes them up it's like whoa did he just really call me that yeah yeah amy well and like matt was saying when we see him encountering someone who is caught in an act of sin mm-hmm. we see him actually as the protector like he's the yeah. one that says please don't throw stones at this woman yep. um you know uh and that's very interesting matt because i i guess i you know I, I love jesus in that moment and i've thought about that moment a lot in my life but to think about the fact that he is at that moment her protector that's interesting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah. I think it's the it's the words too, because then he looks at her and goes, "Woman, where are your where are your persecutors? Mm-hmm. They're not here anymore. Right. Go. Wow. Don't sin anymore. Yeah. And, yeah. and to me, that that cuts to the bone too, because it's like, yeah, he was the ultimate protector right there against everybody that was against her, to the point of now he looks at her and go, and and tells her, where are they now? Mm-hmm. It's just you and me. Go. That is so Don't awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you just look at what he's calling out right now. Okay. We've talked about how Jesus is the one who is healing. He's talking about repenting from your sins. He's talking about kindness. He's talking about being loving. He's talking about not being needlessly controversial. These kind of things. And he's having... Now he's having to defend himself against people who literally want to kill him for these messages. And so he's saying, you know, fruit's known by its or a tree's known by its fruit. It's kind of like, look at what look what's being presented. Look what I'm presenting. Look what you're presenting. And um, 
yeah, so you know, these guys, these guys, he's basically just he's calling them out. He's like, you guys are you guys are bad fruit, or you're you're producing bad fruit, and everybody can look at you and see it. You know, this is something that I think about a lot. I say to you, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall be they shall have to give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Mm-hmm. And I think we as Christians maybe don't take that seriously enough. I just think in general, we're supposed to be very guarded with what we say. Mm-hmm. And and that's like a command to Christians to mm-hmm. be aware of what you're saying and to be aware of the fact that we can harm people with our words. And we have to be uh, affirming in what we say. Of course, we need to speak the truth, but that never means gossiping. It really doesn't. Um, gossiping, you know, especially in the New Testament, is brought up as a specific sin. And that's so I, I kind of look at that verse and I think, man, I got to think about that. I got to hold on to that and watch what I say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Our words, our words matter. They definitely do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the Pharisees. Uh, in the next section, they start to ask Jesus for a sign. As if <laughs> I think my first note on this is seriously, they want to see a sign from Jesus. Like, what have you been looking at this whole time? You know, you guys are literally following him around and looking for reasons to to tear him down. And when he heals somebody, you're like, oh, you did it on a wrong day. You know, but it's like they they want a sign, and it finally is like, you know what? No, you guys, you you guys want this sign, but you're not. He says you don't get any sign except for the sign of Jonah. How, how does that go? Let me let me look this up here, so I don't so I don't misquote things here. But <laughs> just first of all, the fact that they want a sign just baffles me because it's like, yeah, you're not even paying attention, or you're just being stupid. But as as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. There's no way these guys understand what he's talking about there. And the only way we know is because we know how the story goes later with the the death and time in the tomb and the resurrection. But what's really fascinating here is how where he says he says Nineveh will rise up in the judgment and condemn this generation. Remember how bad Nineveh was? I mean, remember how Jonah simply did not want to go to Nineveh, one, because I think he was probably afraid of getting killed there for for giving him a message, but two, because they were considered so utterly evil. And now Jesus is saying, now those guys are better than you, and they will be able to judge you. And it's because they at least repented from from Jonah's preaching. And Jesus is here greater than Jonah. And all they want to do is fight against him. Uh, this is a kind of a fascinating concept to me of this this generation that was considered so wicked, so evil, so <clears throat> so awful that they were literally on the verge of destruction. And Jesus is like, yeah, they were better than you. Yeah. So that to me also shows the heart of God. Like he he sent a prophet to Nineveh. So this is God sending a prophet to a heathen nation. And he's willing to give them another chance. And and they were apparently pretty bad. But when they heard the word, they were like, all right. And they turned around like they repented, which mm-hmm. is super interesting. Like it's a time in history where we see repentance of an entire nation based on the word of a prophet. And then he goes on to say, Jesus goes on to say, and the queen of the south shall rise up in judgment because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Like heathen nations were willing to look at the God of Israel. 
at these two points in history. And you have me, Jesus, walking among you right now. And you're refusing to see. You are refusing. And I think that's where he's calling him out. Like, he's totally like, uh-huh. I'm not giving you another sign. Like, I'm hmm. right here with you. So, yeah. That's yeah. All. No, no, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. He's like, How do you, what do you need? What do you need to see? What What is it that you think, what is it you think would actually convince you? I'm not sure they even actually needed convincing. I. It's just, they're just. Right. They're just being obtuse at this point. How do how do they not know who he is at this point? If they're if they're paying any attention at all, if they've really been studying the scriptures with, with the legitimate intent of getting closer to God and understanding Him better, it's just like how do you not look at Jesus, see what He's been doing, see how is see how is going, and understand that even if you don't know Him as Messiah, you still have to see Him as a man of God. You know. Yep, it's, you know him by his works. You know him by his works. You know him by his fruit. You know him by the spirit that he conveys. That's the, been the theme through the whole thing we've been talking about here. And um, so, so, no, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to dance for you guys. I'm not your monkey. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this for you. You'll see. That you'll is see. awesome. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why he's like, you'll see. And he doesn't come right out, but we know that he'll be like, you will see, you will see my character once I've done what I came here to do. And we know that that is, he died on the cross, stayed in the tomb for it. And, and then rose on the third day. Uh, that's this sign of Jonah. And I'm sure they're probably going, what does he mean? What does he mean by that? And, you know, this maybe is one of those times when prophecy is understood better after the fact, because later on, when we see that, that's when we understand. Uh, but um, yeah, not going to dance, not going to do it. Mm-mm. Yeah, I really like that analogy. Not going to do it. But I also wonder, you know, I mean, this is not even knowable, but I wonder if anyone there ran to the synagogue and opened up the scroll of Jonah because they were like, what does he mean? What does he mm. mean? Because some of them may have been seeking truth. And most of them were not. Like, we know that. Mm-hmm. But we also know, like, Joseph of Arimathea, um, Nicodemus. Like, some of these people eventually come to understand who he is. So I wonder if anyone was like, Jonah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in, I would imagine so. I would imagine so. I mean, that's, I can imagine Jesus, you know, I'm pointing you at a thing. Go look at it. And maybe they went and looked at it and didn't understand at the time because I know I wouldn't have read that and gone, Oh, I get it. You know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gotten it. But, but when you see later and you are able to apply and think about it, and oh, now I get it. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, all this talk about the spirit and you know, following the spirit, listening to the spirit, tree, you know, knowing tree by their fruits and such. The chapter ends. Uh, well, it doesn't quite end here, but but the whole a big piece of what we've been talking about here uh, really culminates in something where he, Jesus talks about, he says an unclean spirit will return, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but if uh, if you kick an unclean spirit out and then don't fill the space, that spirit will come back and find it more hospitable than he did before. And bring uh, some friends. And bring some friends with him. Um you know, it's an analogy put towards like a house. If you kick a spirit out of the house and and don't and don't put something else in there, 
put a different spirit in there, then that one will come back. He'll find it clean and nice and all in order for him and bring his friends along with him. And so, you know, I look at that. I look at that by what he was saying and it's like, okay, so I'm removing the bad things, but now come follow me and let me fill you up. Yeah. That's what he's trying to say. I think. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We can, because um, remember, our our reading today even started with an exorcism, you know, the lit- in a literal sense, and uh, you know, okay, so we kicked a spirit out, we kicked something bad out, um, but now we gotta we gotta we gotta put something better in place. This is a strange passage. Like I'm a modern, I'm a postmodern individual, right? Mm. And and uh, so what? Jesus is saying there are evil spirits. And if you kick one out, he'll come back with his friends. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that is a very interesting passage, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And you know, I don't think we even necessarily need to take it in that literal of a sense, but you know, if we, if we, if we're going to try to get old ideas out, bad ideas out, uh, you know, set them aside the only way to really set them aside is to replace them with better, to replace them, you know, better concepts, better ways of thinking, you know, uh, you, know, you set aside things from when you're a kid, you learn better things, but if you hold on to the old stuff, it just builds, it just builds onto new things, new ugliness or just new falsehoods. And if you keep building on falsehoods, it just gets worse and worse. You know, I think Amy brought up a good point in the beginning when we were talking about addiction. And you know what? It goes from thinking about about the addiction and whatever it is that you're addicted to, to like we had brought up Sarah, to filling it with helping and serving others. Yeah, you got to replace it with something good. Yeah. And that's we- where I think the, the healing is, you know, through through Jesus, he's going to give that to you where you're going to fill it with other things that are pleasing to him and, and, um, will renew your spirit in helping others. Yeah. And if you don't, if you just, if you, I, I don't, I've never, I've, I've never had to go through a, any kind of a, an addiction program or anything like that, but it certainly seems like probably the best analogy. Um, I mean, I do know that there's some, some, Sometimes with addictions, either that you want to replace it with, and maybe it's just a different addiction, but it's a better, something better to do. You know, maybe, maybe instead of smoking a cigarette, you, you, you go for a jog, you know, I don't know that, that sort of thing. But I also know that, that when you're kicking out one thing, sometimes you got to kick out more than one. Cause I know that people who smoke also, uh, and drink a lot of times if they're if they go have alcohol they end up want, also wanting a cigarette you know and so sometimes they almost have to get rid of more otherwise something else just takes over it just takes over in the in its place and uh and so so we have to we got to fill up with good stuff and the more we fill up with good stuff mm-hmm. there's less there's less room for the bad stuff so so that's that's uh that's a big aspect of that well, the last the, the last little bit we'll talk about today, and there's maybe not a lot to take say here. Maybe there's more <laughs> to say than we have time for. I don't know. But the last part of, of uh, Matthew chapter 12, it's just a little story about, you know, while Jesus is talking, uh, some of the disciples come to him and say, hey, your, your mother and brothers are outside and they want to see you. And Jesus does this really weird thing. 
where he sort of, I mean, it would seem he kind of brushes them off. But the way he phrased his phraseology here is interesting, where he says, he looks around the people, looks around his disciples and the people who were with him and following him and says, here is my brother or my mother and here is my brothers or here are my brothers. Um, an interesting concept of the people, the people who are following Jesus are his family. You know, but I think we've seen this before because when he was in, when he was what, 12, was it? And they mm-hmm. lost him in the synagogue. His mother was mm-hmm. completely worried. She runs up to him and he's basically very nonchalant about it. It's like, why are you worried woman? You know, him about my father's business. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And this is just cementing and driving home. It's like, I'm on a mission. One thing it makes me think about is how much my church family means to me and how much I feel like there's a connection there that I don't have with all of my uh, biological relatives. Like there's a sense in which there's a, a spiritual connection with the church family that's different from what I have with my biological family. And, you know, a lot of my biological family is believers. Um, so then I have that double attachment. Um, but there is a sense in which, you know, the church is the family because they have the same perception of the world. You know, this world is passing away. Um, We're in this war between Christ and Satan. Like some of those concepts are very much uh, alive in my fellow believers and not alive in my family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hard part for us to deal with sometimes is when our family isn't a believer or when our family members aren't believers, I should say. And, you know, you want to spend time with them because, of course, you love them and their family. Of course. Yeah. Um, but, you know, holidays, holidays with family members who aren't believers, especially mm-hmm. something like Christmas, you know, mm-hmm. or or, yeah. or or even, you know, Thanksgiving here in the United States, the idea of Thanksgiving, which is not specifically a, a, a religious holiday, but people of a religious uh, uh mentality tend to have a bit of a of a faith-based aspect to something like thanksgiving and Mm -hmm. just you know finding the things that maybe people are thankful for or the ways that people celebrate something like christmas and a lot of times so counterintuitive to what christmas is supposed to be yeah it's it can sometimes be hard to to be around family members in that aspect or maybe that's not the right way to say it but it, it is definitely definitely there is a definite family aspect to your church family to being with fellow believers um you know i mean going back to what our opening discussion about the the, the revival going on in kentucky you know how beautiful is it to be in a room full of hundreds of people who are all worshiping and celebrating Jesus along with you. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about going to a, a Joel Osteen thing down in Denver in a stadium. I mean, a, 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 or an arena, being in an arena full of people all worshiping Jesus at one time was, it was, uh, it was such a gorgeous couple of hours. I mean, it was just, it was just a beautiful thing. And, you know, we're not all from the same denominations and we're not all, maybe we don't believe everything exactly the same, but we all love Jesus. And it was, it was just wonderful to be in a place like that where you felt utterly safe, utterly, utterly part of something. 
uh, and it was it was it was just gorgeous. That's so cool. Um, I remember you talking about it a little bit. I was gonna say I remember we saw some friends yesterday at church who um, they lost the mom <clears throat> probably two years ago and um, to cancer, but she had told about her own experience with the Lord and she had been an alcoholic and um, her whole life had been focused on alcohol, like completely for over 20 years. And a friend invited her to church. uh, And that she said, they didn't say, you know, so you can get over your alcoholism or anything like that. They were just like, come to church with us. Well, it happened to be a weekend when there was a Friday evening service and a, and a, you know, Saturday morning service and a Saturday night thing. And she said, all they were doing was, praising the Lord. She said, we sang a lot. And it, it was very interesting because she said, I didn't have a drink. I didn't have a drink for mm. a long time through that weekend. And she said, and we were praising the Lord. And suddenly I realized I didn't want to drink. And she said, that was literally the end of her alcoholism. Like it was over. Mm. And yeah. that was so fascinating to me. It was like, she had found something else that was far stronger. Mm. Uh, and I, yeah, her story was powerful. Wow. Well, and that's awesome. And that, you know, and by you relating that in at this point of this is really, it's really showing how I think Matthew did a really good job of putting these few things together. Cause I, I don't imagine that this was all one thing said all at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I would think that it was probably a series of thoughts put together. Um, but you know how we were literally just talking about how you know replacing replacing bad things with good things um and now relating that to to spending time with our fellow believers as family um mm-hmm. and how how that helped this woman to replace her addiction to alcohol with mm-hmm. if you want to call it an addiction to Jesus um that's a that's a mm-hmm. it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing. Well, and thing. it was neat, too, because I knew her, her property was adjacent to where my horses are, so I knew her outside of church or whatever. And, mm. you know, I knew her pretty well. <laughs> and uh, and it was real. Yeah. You know, it was it was solid. She was educating her children in the scriptures. She was a, a woman of prayer. Um, she was definitely someone who had, who had made a massive change and just said, okay, I'm a Jesus follower now, and the rest of that life is over. Mm. So that was cool. And, yeah, that's fantastic. That's that's really that's really awesome. Right, well, any final thoughts towards our reading for the week? Yeah, we we got it. Just like so, you said, it was funny too. We only did half a chapter, but it took us the entire time <laughs> plus some. I, I thought so. There was a lot of red letters in the in the Bible this week. Yeah. So, but uh, really, really good stuff, and really, you know, a lot of a lot of concepts of the spirit for us to consider in replacing the bad spirits with the with the good spirit and, and really replacing bad behavior with good behavior and showing, showing who you are by what you do. And, um, well, and the power of the Holy spirit through all that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. 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 Really, really, really good stuff. All right. Well, with that, I think that'll be our time this week. I think next week we will pick up with uh, Luke chapter six. And I think there's going to be more than enough to talk about Luke chapter six because we start talking about the Beatitudes next week. And uh, there's there's a lot of stuff in there. So next week we'll start talking about Luke chapter six. 
And uh, so, listeners, while you are reading that and waiting for us, remember you can reach out to us at atpbpodcast at theadventure.org. Uh, look us up on Facebook. Uh, make sure that you share the podcast with your friends and make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so we reach you in your feed each and every week. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.